Welcome to our Thanksgiving special of the Strange Days Live broadcast, live from Southern California at 8.04 p.m. Thursday, November 23rd, 2023. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys had a lovely turkey day and um, wishing you guys had a good day today and that you guys had good food and good family over. Every time, uh, just testing to see if everything's going on good with you guys. I know it's a little bit later usually, come in earlier, but I think might as well try it out and see if there's anybody out there listening and connecting with people. Hopefully they had a good day. I know outside of the U.S. they don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but uh, it's one of my favorite holidays here. And to be completely sincere, I like the food. I like the turkey and the the fixings that we tend to uh, enjoy. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a good uh, it's a good day, right? You get to get together with family, enjoy good food. I have a sweet tooth, so I enjoy all the trimmings that uh, have to do with marshmallows and pumpkin pie, ice cream. And all the things that are good for you, right? So, um, just checking up, making sure that you guys are out there and that, you know, hopefully interact with you guys and take some calls. I didn't really... um, Give me a second. So today, what things besides Thanksgiving occurred on November 23rd? Um, for those uh, fans of the time travel subject, Doctor Who's uh, debut happened in November 23rd, 1963. The first episode of the British science fiction series Doctor Who aired on the BBC. This iconic show has since become a beloved and long-running series, which is still running up to this day. You know, weirdly enough, it was one day after the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, same year. Uh, Kennedy died on November 22nd, 63, and Doctor Who debuted a day later. What other things have occurred on November 23rd? Well, in 1930, for those of us that have a sweet tooth, uh, the Twinkies uh, were invented. Mr. James DeWar, a baker for the Hostess Company, created the Twinkie Snacks on this day in 1930 and has remained a popular and recognizable treat for generations. I'm sure it's wondering if the Twinkie has a, a international reach. If you guys, uh, maybe in England or Canada, appreciate the Twinkie. I have it very seldomly. I think it's an okay snack, but it's not one of my favorites. But, it, you know, sometimes they, they make it with a banana filling, and it tastes very good. 
On November 23rd, 2011, uh, the first robot astronaut was uh, part of the NASA, the, the NASA's uh, Mars Science Laboratory mission. He successfully landed uh, the Curiosity rover on Mars, and Curiosity became the first robot to explore the surface of Mars in search of signs of past lives. Alice Adventures in Wonderland Lewis Carroll's beloved novel Alice Adventure in Wonderland was published on November 23, 1865. It has inspired numerous adaptations, including movies, plays, and the Disney uh, animated cartoon. The world's first successful heart transplant occurred on November 23, 1964. Dr. Christian Bernard a South African surgeon successfully performed the world's first heart transplant on a human patient, Louis Wachowski, Wachowski, I'm sorry, Washkansky, on November 23, 64. One of my favorite movies, Casablanca, premiered on this day. Uh, the classic film Casablanca, starring Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman, had its world premiere on November 23, 1942 in New York. It has since become one of the most iconic and beloved films in cinematic history. The birth of Harpo Marx. Harpo Marx, one of the famous Marx brothers, known, uh, known for his silent annex and playing the harp, was born on November 23, 19, excuse me, 1888. And today is actually National Espresso Day. November 23rd also celebrates as National Espresso Day in the United States, a perfect occasion for coffee enthusiasts to indulge in their favorite espresso beverages. Today is actually known as the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists. Today is recognized as the International Day to End Impunity um, highlighting the importance of protecting journalists and ensuring accountability for crimes against them. The first American bowling tournament took place on this day in 1901. This was the first official American bowling tournament, and it took place in Chicago, marking the beginning of organized competitive bowling in the U.S., and for those of us with a sweet ear for pop music, today is the birthday of Miley Cyrus. American singer and actress was born on November 23, 1992. She is known for her eclectic musical career and transformation from a Disney Channel star to a pop icon. A lot of cool things, right? I'm not a big, I mean, I'm not a Miley Cyrus fan, but uh, let's go ahead and celebrate her birthday. The first use of nitrous oxide occurred on November 23, 1904. Nitrous oxide is known as laughing gas, uh, and it's been used for many years for dental anesthesia. American dentist Horace Wells conducted the first successful public demonstration of nitric oxide on this day. Gone with the Wind premiered the epic the epic film Gone with the Wind based on Margaret Mitchell's novel had its premiere in Atlanta, Georgia on November 23, 1939. The movie went on to become a cinematic classic. 
I don't think I've ever seen the whole movie. Um, just doesn't draw my attention much. I believe uh, it was one of the first, um, I want to say, fully colorized movies. There's a very distinct scene um, on on uh, Interview with a Vampire. Do you guys remember that movie? Uh, there's a scene in which the vampire played by Brad Pitt uh, comments that he actually went to see the movie. And... Um, he makes a comment that it was the first time that he's seen the sunrise because uh, there's a scene in Gone with the Wind in which there's a, a sunrise in color. So for Louis, that was his name, Vampire, uh, played by Brad Pitt, Louis says that it was the first time that he's seen the sunrise in years, which always stuck with me as something like a, a really cool line of a, of a book. For the for those of us who like the old classic Universal um, monster movies, today is the birth of Boris Karloff. But Boris Karloff uh, was best known for his role as the monster in 1931 film Frankenstein, and he was born uh, on this date in 1887. Harriet, the spy creator, children authors Louise Fitzherg who wrote her popular book, Harriet the Spy, was born on November 23rd, 1928. The first automobile race in the U.S. took place on this day in 1895. The first automobile race in the United States took place, excuse me, it ran from Chicago to Evanston, Illinois, and had a grand prize of $2,000. It means that's a lot of money. I want to see what the equivalent to today's money would be. Um, let's see. Let's go to the end. So, $2,000. I usually get this really quick. Okay, so it's basically two thousand dollars in eighteen ninety-five is the equivalent equivalent of seventy thousand dollars. So that's a that's a big, nice chunk of change. <clears throat> For somebody who win an automobile race, and I want to see the distance. What was the distance from Chicago to Evanston, Illinois? Wow, only 27, 19 miles. 19 miles. From Chicago to Evanston is 19 miles. And it takes about 27 minutes now. 15, 20 minutes maybe. I wonder how long it took back then. You know, because the car's probably top speed was maybe 12, 10 to 12 miles an hour. Probably took an hour or so. Very interesting. What else happened on this day? The birth of Robin Roberts, American television anchor and journalist Robin Roberts, known for her work on ABC's Good Morning America, was born today in 1960. 
And the Beatles' White Album was released today in 1968. It contained a diverse range of songs and became a classic in the band's discography. What? I don't think there's there's an album that they made that it has not become a classic, right? I like the White Album. I enjoyed it. I remember that uh, I bought it uh, like twenty about twenty years ago. I, I uh, before vinyl kind of made its made its second um, its second coming when it became popular again. Uh, I bought the I was able to get an original Beatles White Album, and the cool thing about it was that it came with white vinyl. So that must have been a rarity back in 68 when it was released to have the, it was a double disc uh, album and it, and it had white vinyl, which stuck to me. It looked pretty cool. I know that now they release all kinds of weird vinyl patterns, but you know, in the 60s, I don't know if it was very popular to release vinyl that wasn't black. So uh, here we are. Oh, there's a couple of people here. Ricky Atorazzo. Uh, I don't remember seeing that name before. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, my friend. Just found you yesterday after I wanted to refresh my memory on Mad Men Markham and listening to the Wife House episode on him. I'm great. Well, gl- glad to have you, Ricky. My good friend, Tim Zoller. Hey, how are you, Tim? Tim and I were supposed to organize something together today, but um, my family and everybody ended up leaving my house about 50 minutes till 8. I don't have time to text you. I apologize for that, Tim. But you can jump in the lines in a little bit later. Maybe in the, in the second half of the show, I'll call you. And you can jump in the lines. It's always enjoyable to have you on the show. Uh, George, how are you? George is joining us as well. I hope you guys had a lot of food and a lot of uh, fun times with your family today. I know we had we had a, a great time here. We got to celebrate a uh, family member's birthday as well and you know life goes by quickly you see uh you get to see that not only if i don't know if you guys have kids but you see that on your kids and you also get to see that on on, on your uncles aunts and parents you know it's time forgives no one and it's um, certainly sad that people get old so it's good to cherish every moment that we spend with our loved ones. And today is a good day to make a habit of that. I'm going to kind of talk a little bit more about more things that happened uh, on today. So my, my favorite book, one of my favorite books, Close Second, it's, it's a novel, Dracula. And this was actually published on uh, today in 1899. The classic classic gothic horror novel Dracula by Bram Stoker was published today. The novel introduced the iconic vampire Count Dracula to the world of literature and has since inspired numerous adaptations in vampire lore. Yeah, by far, out of all the monsters, uh, I am a sucker for anything with fangs. I absolutely love vampires. They're the ones that scare me the most out of any... um, supernatural monsters i remember as a little kid um watching uh what was it what was the name of this guy yeah, there was a, sh- a british show i was very little um 
Barnabas Colin, Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows was a, was a show back in the in, in the seventies, and actually there was a remake with um, Johnny Depp. I don't know if you guys re, uh, if you guys uh, remember watching that movie back in twenty twelve. So it was a British soap opera type of show, and uh, it was very scary for me when I was little. But the movie that freaked me out the most in regards to Vampire when I was a little kid, there was actually two. One of them, by far, uh, I'll tell you in a minute. The second one that, that scared me a lot when I was a little kid was... Uh, I'm sorry. The second movie that scared me a lot when I was a little boy was a movie by... It was called The Fearless Vampires or Dances. The the Fearless Vampire Killers. This is a, a 1967 horror comedy directed by Roman Polanski, who actually plays the title, the lead role. And his beautiful wife, Sharon Tate, which to me, uh, at one point in my time, in my life, I thought that she was one of the most beautiful women ever. Uh, and as you know, Sharon Tate was the was one of the victims of uh, Char- uh, Charles Manson murders. She was uh, murdered while pregnant back in the, I believe, the late sixties as well. So this this movie must have been one of her last movies. The Fearless Vampire Killers. Uh, it's a silly movie, but uh, it's well done. It's well filmed. And uh, it has a lot of scenes that, uh, as a little boy, made a lot of impact. One in particular was when the lead character, Alfred, was about to be bitten. And he happened to have a Bible in his hands. And so, as the vampire approached his neck he wittingly grabbed the bible and stuck it up the vampire's teeth so um and there's something about like comedic like tragic comedies that are that are just uh, a little bit disturbing you know because they're funny but at the same time they're pretty they're pretty scary so that that's a number two out of my vampire scary vampire movies and the number one movie that scared me as a little boy was based on a book by none other than Stephen King. And this movie was titled Salem's Lot. The original book, Salem's Lot, was written in 75. And I believe the movie uh, was adapted in 79. Yep, 1979. It was a two-part television miniseries starring David Soule which if you guys remember he was uh was he Starkey or Hutch I think he was uh I think he was Starkey Starkey and Hutch I'm, I'm just keep keep drilling t- you see you guys see how uh how you guys can fall down a rabbit hole he was Hutch from Starkey and Hutch which was like a 1970s cop show you can keep falling in, <laughs> you can keep falling in a rabbit hole, right? So yeah, he started, and then there was another actor that uh, I really liked in this movie. Uh, and let, let me let me remember his name. Let's see here, adaptations film. 
sell himself. I forgot the name of the, the kid. But he had, he had a, a show in the 70s and it was called David at 17. I believe it was t- the title. And he played the, the co-title ro- uh, role in the movie. Or James, was it James? No, sorry, it was James at 16. Yeah, his name, right, that was the, the kid who played in the movie as well. And his name, his name was Lance Kerwin. That was the name of the actor. And unfortunately, he passed away not too long ago. And that was sort of like a coming-of-age TV series that um, aired in 1960, excuse me, 1977. Yeah, Lance Kerwood actually passed away this year, January 24th, at age 62. He had a very distinct face, and he was, you know, he was a, a leading, he was a lead role in in, the, in Salem Slot. So, um, those are the, the two scariest vampire uh, movies that I remember as a boy. You know, when you're little, things tend to make a lot of impact, but Salem Slot sure did. Distinctly remember the scenes where the they used to scratch at the windows. The vampires would scratch at your window in order for you to be able to let in, be able to bite you in the neck <laughs> let me go back to here and see oh my goodness we have our British friend awesome say hi hi Jeannie how are you clutch how you doing my friend let's just go see what some of the read George says that the photos that came inside the white album was hung up in numerous bedroom walls I agree I agree uh, my brother, George, also says, my brother had the album in 68, but it wasn't white plastic. Genie Bottle, the, the bottle, says the Beatles' white album was white vinyl released in 78, one year, 10 years after the original. Thank you for letting me know that. Perfect. Okay, so it was released in 78. You know, what's interesting about the Beatles is that there's a lot of... Um, there's there's a lot of difference, a lot of differences between what was released in England and what was released in the U.S., meaning that the way the order of the albums released was different, the tracks on the albums was, were different, the names of the albums were different. For example, um, if band, let's say Nirvana, when they release... Um, uh, never mind, you know, you get it released in all the countries as never mind, and the tracks are pretty standardized. But when it came to the Beatles and all those, a lot of artists back in the 60s, things were just, um, they were done different. I had also, I bought, um, I had the original Sgt. Pepper's album that I was able to buy like 20 years ago. And that one came in with an inlay jacket inside that had a, a couple of things that you can cut out and you can play around with. They had a picture of Sergeant Peppers. It had like a fake mustache that you could uh, cut off, that you could, you know, glue on your face and, and be silly. So let me see. I'm just kind of, I'm looking here at the releases. 
And yeah, the covers. So, for example, like the covers of A Hard Day's Night uh, in England was different than the American version. I mean, there, there, there's just a lot of vast differences. Um, again, with the Beatles, you guys, you can go down a, a, a rabbit hole. So I'm gonna just take a little time here and try to see if I can make any. Okay, this is a yeah. I've seen this one before actually. I've seen this image before, and I'm gonna see if I can make a little bit of sense. Yeah. So the the, the U.S. releases were just were just a mess. Uh, for example, the Rubber Soul album here in the in England was pretty much straightforward uh, as far as the trackings and then in the US uh, some of the tracks were released and the Beatles yesterday yesterday and today and also they were released and uh, in the rubber soul so there's some tracks out of line for example the US version of Sarge of uh, rubber soul started with uh, I've just seen a face Second song is Norwegian Wood. Uh, third song is You Won't See Me. And then in the British release was Drive My Car was the first song. Norwegian Wood was the second. You Won't See Me was the third. So there was a different way of aligning. When Revolver came out in England, there were some songs that were actually released from the and mixed uh, along with some songs from Rubber Soul. And those were released in the, the Beatles yesterday and today. And uh, the, the, yeah, the orders are also different from the American. The American has less songs than the British uh, release of the album. For example, Dr. Roberts, which was a song from Revolver, it's not on the American version originally, the American. Um, so it has, I think it has three less songs. Um, I'm Only Sleeping, it's not on the American version of Revolver. And Your Bird Can Sing was not released on the American version of Revolver originally, and Dr. Roberts was not released on the original version of the Revolver. You know, always when you listen to an album, I think the, the, the albums always need, they're always arranged in a certain way for, for a specific purpose. Uh, a lot of musicians pay a lot of close attention how, how the tracks are recorded and how the tracks flow, and if there is an underlining storyline, they kind of follow very closely so we kind of got a disservice here in the u.s by having so many different releases for example out of three albums released in england which was help rubber soul and revolver in the u.s there was one two three four there was five albums released so it was all about making more money they released the Beatles, the Beatles Six, the Beatles Help, Rubber Soul, the Beatles Yesterday and Today, and Revolver. You would have to buy all those five albums as opposed to buying three albums in England to get the same amount of songs. So I guess they want to make more money out of the Americans. But yeah, can you imagine, for example, like one of my favorite albums is Pink Floyd The Wall. And Pink Floyd The Wall, if, you know, it's a story, right, from the beginning to end. Can you imagine if they left like three tracks off 
then the story wouldn't flow as, as the artist envisioned it. And that would drive me absolutely bonkers. I enjoy um, I enjoy listening to albums like that that they have a beginning, middle, and an end, and that's sort of like the art that unfortunately gets lost in today's music. And also that you know one of the things that that I also that I miss is the fact that um, to have something tangible, right? To have something tangible. Because I remember as a little kid, like you would buy an album, you would listen to, you listen to the album, but uh, you would stare endlessly at the cover. You know, it, you would you you would look at a cover of an album for hours on end as you listen to the songs. You would flip it, look inside, look at every you know nuisance of an album, and that's lost with digital music because um, they often don't come with uh, with liners, they don't come with lyrics. I'm gonna put. I want you to see this for yourself. So what I'm going to do is I am going to post a link to a really good and high resolution uh, image that has the differences between the US and UK albums for your Beatles fanatics out there. Let me do it right now so you guys can enjoy it. I'll put it in right now. If you guys want to go ahead and download it. It's a cool resource to have. It's posted on the chat. Let me go back to the comments here. Jeannie Bottle says that the original Sgt. Pepper inner sleeve was red and white. That might have... Uh, so Sgt. Pepper inner sleeve... I'm thinking you got it in England, right? Red and white. Yeah, for me, uh, here in the U.S., we had the, the picture of of, uh, of the four guys wearing the Sergeant Pepper's uniforms, if you can say. Can you call them uniforms? And then we had the lyrics in the back with a red... Uh, it was a red, red background with the lyrics with the four guys uh, dressed up and then Paul McCartney turning his back. Promote further promoting the idea of Paul is dead, and then inside there was a sleeve that uh, it's like a green sleeve. I'll put a picture on it here too, and it had um, you'll see it for yourself. I'll put a link to this so you guys can see the inner. Come on. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna. This is what. Uh, this is what I used to have. I still have this. This album actually. Summer. This is the. I just put a link for the inner liner of uh, Sergeant Pepper's in the U.S. Ricky Atodaso, welcome. He says that we got ripped off on Beatles songs. Yes, we sure did. Um, I bought a couple of physical CDs this year. I had supported. Uh, I had to support my favorite bands. Hadn't brought any real CDs in years. Yeah, I haven't bought a CD in a long time. 
I hated that there's a lot of music apps don't let you zoom in on the cover art. Whose idea was that? Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, the covers, man. The covers are... Covers were... Cover art's amazing. I'm a huge fanatic of Storm Thorgerson and uh, Hypnosis, which were the... Most, most predominantly, they were the artists who were behind uh, the Pink Floyd album covers, which are just genius. You know, you have the I Wish You Were Here. You have the Pink Floyd um, Dark Side of the Moon. You have uh, Uma Guma. Um, he also shot the, the, one of my favorite, personal favorite cover albums ever is uh, The Division Bell by Pink Floyd. I just found it amazing. Just beautiful, beautiful design. It's just spot on, beautiful photography. Storm Thorgerson also uh, shot a couple of um, a couple of covers for the Cranberries, an Irish band, and I mean, there's millions of stuff that this guy shot for. You'd be surprised at all the covers that Storm designed. There's a good documentary out there actually on um, on Hypnosis, which was a company that uh, the Storm Thorgerson and and uh, his one of his best friends created in regards to to doing digital photography or uh, you know the digital photography very iconic albums it's just very surreal sort of like a Dali painting he shot obviously the cover for animals with the, with the pig the story goes that originally, if you guys are familiar with Pink Floyd, the, the cover of the album uh, for pigs, excuse me, for animals, uh, has an inflatable pig. It's, it's a real photography, but it has an, an inflatable pig. And it turns uh, it turns out that on the day of the, the they tried it for a few days to get that cover with the floating pig, but on the day of the shooting, there was very strong winds. And what ended up happening was that they ended up Photoshop, well, not Photoshopping, but they ended up inserting the pig into the the the, the cover. It's uh, instead of having like a real photograph of, of the pig floating around. It's called the Battery Something. It's a building in London. That it's in the background. Let's see. called the bat I think it's called the battery plant and it's I, I believe it's still there up to up to now mm. I'm sorry it's called the Battersea power station the Battersea power station in London with the four famous chimneys that's where they they shot the cover for animals Let me go back to the lines here. We had the cutout as well. Yeah, that's that's what I meant, the cutout. Yeah. Uh, Tim says, I still buy the physical CDs from independent artists. Listen to, they always come with sweetheart. True. Uh, Jeannie mentions that reprint second edition had a white inner sleeve for Sgt. P. Sgt. Peppers, the inner sleeve was often just plain, but original. It had two tones, red-white design with the inner sleeve to put the record in. Awesome. Thanks, Eugenie. I guess you're either an awesome uh, album collector or you're just an amazing uh, Beatles fan or maybe the both. 
I love Pink Floyd. Prefer the early and mid years like Roger a lot. Me too. You know, there's people that actually are. Um, I respect both. I mean, I, I love David Gilmour. I think he's one of the most amazing, talented guitarists, and he's really close to my number one guitar as far as just how he can express his feelings with five notes. I, I find him absolutely incredible. And it's a shame that they couldn't get along, you know, uh, in order for them to keep creating, keep creating music. But uh, I like I like some of the yeah. So as far as like the Pink Floyd uh, discography, I do like the early stuff. I can tolerate a little bit of it. Uh, I shouldn't say a little bit. I can tolerate. Uh, it's more you know psychedelic stuff like everything that was written by like Sid Barrett. Uh, it's great music. But I'm more of, um, I would say that I like the Moore soundtrack, uh, like Pipers at the Gate of Dawn was awesome, Saucer Full of Secrets. I can listen to those maybe once or twice a year, but I really start paying attention, um, like, the, uh, you know, like Metal, Obscured by the Clouds, I find it, I really like it. Uh, obviously, Dark Side, Wish You Were Here, Animals, The Wall, yeah, the final cut. I mean, every, every, I, I like all the albums, to be honest with you. The Wall's a fantastic album. Final Cut 2. Final Cut is, you know, it just should have been an extension of The Wall, <clears throat> in my opinion. Um, but yeah, the, the art by Storm Thorison is amazing. You can still go up the chimney of the Battersea Power Station. That's that's really cool. I've never been to London, but one of these days I'll make my trek up there. I would love to drive through through London. I would love to drive from London to Liverpool. I'm a huge Liverpool football club fanatic, so I would like to eventually one day make my way up there and we'll watch a game. So driving from London to Liverpool was, must be something, uh, a, a bucket list Speaking of which, Liverpool plays Manchester City in a few hours. And that determines, I don't know if you guys are into football, but that determines the number one standing on the cure, on the current uh, Premier League standings. Go Liverpool. Yeah, I like Roger. I like Roger Waters. Tim's commenting a lot. His politics sometimes gets a little bit, uh, could be a little bit out of hand. But I agree with most of his political stances. They're sharp guys, man. They're they're no dummies. Both of them are just uh, all, all all four guys. Uh, you know, are very educated and um, yeah. So I enjoy. I just it's it's so sad that they can't get along themselves. My wife actually was able to see them. Uh, my wife has been blessed when it comes to watching cool bands. She saw the the, the '94 uh, Division Bell tour here in California. She also caught. She was able to watch Nirvana live. I never saw Nirvana. She actually got front seat tickets to see Nirvana for five bucks can you imagine that being able to see nirvana i don't know if you guys like nirvana i like nirvana um yeah she got to see him front row tickets for five bucks and she's seen other other cool bands as well 
I had a, um, I have a, a person that I met that used to, that he used to work at a very well-known arena, if you will, here in Southern California. And the guy worked there for like 20 years. So he saw like everybody. He told me that he, he saw Pink Floyd at least like 10, 20 times. Okay, that would be amazing. He saw like everybody from probably like James Brown to Santana, bunch of people. Most of the bands that I listen to, they're uh, they, the singers or the bands are not either they're no longer together or or the, somebody has passed on. So I'm not too much into like the new music scene. The new bands they don't really do much for me, so I kind of like the old old music. Tim says that he saw Sublime live. That must have been awesome, man. I never never saw it. I wasn't big into going to shows for some reason. Even though I, I grew up in LA. I mean I had the I had the chance of seeing a lot of bands, but I just didn't I didn't go. And oh another cute my, my wife used to go to the rehearsal space uh for Rage Against the Machine. Her and her friends would go and, and, and watch them rehearse. Must have been wild. I've seen uh, Weezer. I've seen Weezer a few times. I saw them at the Whiskey, which is a very famous venue, a very small venue. I got to see them there live. I saw No Doubt a few times. Um, I'm a huge Smashing Pumpkins, so I've seen I've seen a, a bunch of shows with the Smashing Pumpkins, and I caught a a live set. It must have been like a hundred people. Uh, Billy Corgan had a private uh, event not private event a small event here in california which it was probably like 100 people and i sat like two rows from first in a very small venue that probably sat i'm probably sat at 70 people and it was an amazing show it was an acoustic show amazing <clears throat> and billy corgan is huge i mean he's like six probably like six six or six seven just towering you know and he has like that whole like nosferatu vibe you know big black boots with a cape and bald and white and it was just it was an amazing show it's one of probably one of my favorite shows was, was that acoustic set that he did um so i've cut a few shows i've cut a few cool shows i just haven't uh cut that many i could have seen more you know anyways uh the lines are open, 951-888-0313, if you guys want to call in and chime in on anything. Tim says that he saw Rage Against the Machine with Wu-Tang. That must have been awesome. Beastie Boys, yeah, man. I, I almost saw Beastie Boys on their last tour in 2011. This was before uh, Yoke got, got diagnosed with cancer. They, had, they were going to headline a show in Staten Island, and I was living in Brooklyn at the time, and they, they had to cancel it. But that would, have been a, that would have been a hot show to see, man. To see the Beasties. I love the Beasties. I was I was getting uh, hung up a little bit on... Uh, I was watching um, documentaries on uh, CBGBs a few weeks ago. And so I was caught up on the early punk scene. And I was watching uh, a lot... I was listening to a lot of The Germs. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the band The Germs. Uh, it was a punk band. And one of the guitar players is actually Pat Smear, who happened to play Nirvana a few years later. 
but uh, there's a movie the, the movie I watched about uh, about the history of the germs and um, you know it, it, the very I think the germs were together for like two or three years so a few months ago I was into them like heavily I usually get into kicks where I get I get into into bands and I just kind of overdo it and listen to it and I was under a germs kick a few months ago there were the germs were together from 76 original lineup to 80 so four years and uh, that's when they had their you know Darby Crash the singer that passed away and then Pat Smear original guitar Lorna Doom she was the original bass player and um, Don Bowles who was the drummer there's a great what was the name of the movie for have you guys seen the movie it's called what do um, what what we do is secret it's a cool film I would uh, advise you guys to to watch it it just shows you the the advent of punk rock and kind of how they started I like watching a lot of sometimes bi biopic or like movies that are, they have to do with the uh, you know like bi biography type not about bi well biographies but movies that are based on on, on, on people's lives I'm surprised they haven't made like a good Beatles movie. Like a good Beatles story, you know. The new Elvis. Did you guys watch the Elvis movie? What do you guys think about? Put it in your comments. I think I'm going to have to watch it again with an open mind. Because I, I, when I went there, I kind of wanted a movie, you know. And this was more of a... It's kind of like a, like a music video, if you will. It was shot beautifully. It had a lot of beautiful colors, and but uh, to me, it wasn't a, a movie. Movie. I'm a huge Elvis fan as well. But anyways, we're uh, kind of staying away from the, our topic. Let's see. Uh, Love punk, bad religion, no effects, Descendants. Yeah, these are all <clears throat> awesome punk bands. Bad brains. Uh, who else? Black Flag, the Ramones. If you guys look at a, if you ever watch a movie on on or a documentary of CBGBs, you have the advent of of music, like really cool bands that came out of this hole in the wall in New York. Uh, who else came out of there? The Talking Heads, uh, Blondie. Talking Heads are amazing. Have you guys? Listen, uh, any, any fans there of, of Talking Heads? I love Talking Heads. Band called Television also came out of there. It's cool that we have, you know, YouTube. There's a lot of good shows. There's um, There was a British show called... Uh, one second here, I remember. The Old Grey Whistle Test. It's a nineteen. It's a it's a show that uh, you see a lot of a lot of bands that uh, that would do the early performances in the in, in this TV show. And you can watch a lot of episodes of the Old Grey Whistle Test. I always thought the name was very odd. And then I did a research into how why why the show was called the Old the old gray whistle test 
And basically, uh, the old gray is what they call the security guards that would guard the studio. I guess they would wear gray uniforms. So the old gray, and then the whistle test would be if a band was good enough to create a, a, a tune or a song that was catchy, you would catch the guards whistling the song. So if, if there was a guard after the show that would be whistling a tune that was played, then that, that means that the band passed the old gray whistle test. That the show was catchy enough and sticky enough that the, these old guys that would guard the stages would be humming the tunes after the bands had played. That's how, came, that's how they came with the, actually with the name of the show. Uh, Tim, if you want to call, man, call my private number so that way we leave the other number open. I can bring you on for a few minutes. You have my 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 personal number if you want to go ahead and call. It's always good to have you. And if you guys, I don't know, how, we've known each other like friends already. If you guys want to call, I'm going to have Tim here in a second. Hey, Tim. Hello. How oh. are you doing today? Happy uh, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. How was your food? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I called the wrong number. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, this is the right number, buddy. This is uh, Doc. Okay. Okay. Um, how, was, how was your meal? Was, how was your turkey? Oh, it was great. Uh, ate so much food. Everybody sat down to play board games. I slept the whole time. Nice. Enjoyed, just, just enjoyed the day. It was great. It was actually, you know, I, I think when you started off with, you know, Thanksgiving and all, like, I think Thanksgiving got to be one of the best holidays of the year. I agree with you, man. I'm right. If I'm, not, if, no, go ahead. I'm right with you. I lo I love the food, man. I, I I just like I can have Thanksgiving meals like every day. Yeah, and it's just like every what I think Thanksgiving is. I this is like it's like Christmas without all the marketing and stress from buying presents and all the stuff that comes with it. It's like actually a day you could sit down. With your family and just enjoy everybody and eat food. So in essence, there's no. In essence, it's what Christmas should really be. Absolutely, that's, absolutely. So that's how I see Thanksgiving, and you know, we are. I mean, this is a a, a, a truth channel, I would say, and you know, as far as my beliefs go, you know, I don't really. You know, I'm a pretty negative Nancy when it comes to most holidays because they're most mostly pagan holidays. So when, you know, I usually have something negative to say about most, especially Christmas. But I just don't have that with Thanksgiving. Even with the the stories, the his story that we were told. Right. Um, It's just not enough for me to change my... Uh, to make it like something negative it's just not enough for me you know like they they i don't know i does that make any sense am i am i saying that right no it makes it makes a lot of sense because the the older you get 
you become uh, more aware and in tune of what people really want and that's the corporations just want the cash man so yeah you know it takes away from what it takes away from the original intent of of uh over christmas or whatever holiday should be so they push the next holiday right away because they want to start making money you know that the, the what our our um our perception of uh, of um santa claus was created by coca-cola you know the jolly old really? good yeah the only jolly guy in the red suit with the white beard that that was created that was the image that coca-cola gave us in the 30s before that there was no i mean santa claus didn't have uh a, you know it was whatever you it, it was whatever you had yeah crazy yeah because I can't stand, you're gonna laugh at me, but I can't stand like the jolly old Santa Claus. I I just think it's so corny. Now the old Saint Nicks with like the white hats and the beard and they, you know what I'm talking about? The old yeah. school Santa Claus. Yeah. I love those ones. Those right. ones I do like. I don't. When I see the red ones, I see a. Something totally different. I, I just get a different vibe. Well, I don't, well, the I don't red, feel the same. The red suit is the red Coca-Cola. You know Coca-Cola trademarked that color, right? What, red? Yeah, that, that particular tint of red is trademarked by Coca-Cola. Oh. No, I didn't know that santa's suit was a trademark of Coca-Cola. That's, that's something I didn't know. Not Santa Claus the character, but I'm saying the Santa, the, the, no, red, the, the red color... The when suit. You, Right. When, right. Well, when you look at a when you look at Coca Cola label, the red of the label and the bottles, it's a trademark uh, color. So okay. let's yeah. say let's say your Pepsi and you and you, you you integrated the same red, then you can get sued. That that color is trademarked by Coca Cola. Makes sense. So you Makes think uh, you think about you know you think about Santa Claus having a red suit. Is why why is he wearing red? Well, because the Coca identify Coca Cola with red. Hmm. You know, Saint Saint Yeah, Saint Nick before was just a bearded guy, right? But he didn't have a he didn't have a uniform per se. Yeah, he was just supposed to be like a uh, a a saint, you know. He right. wore like a little robe and a beard or whatever, but Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like he you know, had reindeers and wore mm -hmm. a red suit. But I still like the lore. I, I enjoy. I enjoy. Actually, I enjoy the the jolly red guy. With I, I like. Uh, I like a lot of the art, nineteen forties, nineteen thirties art. So I enjoy the old ads when they show. I, to me, it, it makes me happy. Uh, I like the old like Coca Cola guy. I, like I mean, I guess the old one. I I don't know. I when I see the stuff today, it's just I, all I see is marketing. I don't. I don't even get the same tingle. I know once you get older, you sort of lose that. Yeah, you do. Now, but as, you know, like I said about Halloween, I had lost the fun of Halloween, but having younger nephews now and stuff, you get to kind of relive it all again. And I'm still having a hard time with the Christmas thing, but we'll see. Maybe maybe this year we'll have a different... Uh, aspect of it off because i'll probably come in looking at it as a family thing and not look at what it's the pagan side of it you know yeah for uh, me the the, uh, the present is what get the, the you know when you have when you focus on the present that's what takes away the the joy for me because i don't i particularly don't like to get presents and and then to give them is sort of like you're kind of forced to give something and it just loses the meaning Absolutely, and then you have so, like for me, I have a huge family, so it's like 
you know, you want to, you can't, you know, it's, I mean, I have four brothers and sisters. We have like probably 10 of us in our immediate family. So, I mean, it's a lot of presents and stuff you got to buy. And I'm not even a big fan of it. You know, like I would be totally happy with having another Thanksgiving and I would be uh, ecstatic to have a day like today. Yeah. Uh, I believe, I believe that you make it for what you make it. And I've had many, many beautiful, great Christmases, but I just think maybe over the past decade, it's gotten a little, uh, watered down for me, but that's just, that's, they're not trying to be negative about a happy holidays. Like I said, this is one of my favorite holidays. So, you know, yeah, it's my favorite. I like, um, I like Thanksgiving is number one. And I probably think, uh, and then I think, uh, Halloween's probably my second favorite one. I like Thanksgiving, and then if I had to choose, probably Fourth of July. Maybe not because of the the reasoning behind it as much as I I just love it being in the summer, the fireworks, the cooking out. Again, I guess it's got it comes boils down to the family getting food. I guess being Italian, you'll find. I love family and food. Where there's family and food. Exactly. Exactly. No, yeah, I understand. So, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I mean, and as far as like the al- like you know, the albums and all that goes, yeah, I agree that the um, nostalgia of buying an album isn't the same digitally i mean you literally could buy an album digitally look at the cover and not even but glance at it i mean you see it and it's just probably it's just not the same i remember like i was telling you like you know some of the albums you open it up and you could put it in the mirror and there's actual messages in it and you could sit there and look at it all same with you know vinyl covers oh yeah i would get i would get lost um I would get lost in the covers, dude. I would like, I would look at them, and then, and what was good back then is that you would actually kind of know the, you know, if if you don't, you would make a, an effort to learn the lyrics. I remember I, back in the day when uh, it was hard to get, you know, some of the albums and some of the cassettes they didn't come with the lyrics, so I personally remember like, you know, stop and pause, stop and pause, and try to figure out what the heck the songs were saying and writing down on a piece of paper. I don't know if you ever did that. Yeah, no, I always remember the lyrics coming in, and then they stopped putting the lyrics in, but, um, yeah, absolutely, right. I remember that, but I remember a lot of the lyrics being in there, and that was one, like, Nirvana always had their lyrics, for the most part, and they had really sweet art, all their, all their album covers, really good art. Yeah. Um, but did they always have their lyrics inside? Um, I don't remember. I, I don't know if Nirvana, because uh, um, I used to buy cassettes back in the day. I didn't. I had a CD player later on, even though I mean they were available. You cassettes? Well, the thing is that I I, mean, I drove my my cars had cassette players, and I was a lot. Of, I, I spent a lot of time in the car, so I didn't. I I used to invest in a lot of cassettes. I didn't have a CD player. Gosh. Yeah, I didn't have a CD player in my first car, so I had like a. Honest to God, I had a trash bag. Filled. I had like two trash bags filled with cassettes, dude. <laughs> and so, and I, I can imagine. And I, I used to I work. I used to work at Sam Goody's back in the day. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, so it's over with. Do you remember Sam Goody's? <laughs> oh, I do. That's where I got my first few CDs in my whole life. Yeah, we had, you know, we had we had Sam Goody's. We had, um, what else? We had uh, Block, uh, what was it called? The Warehouse Records. I don't know if you remember those. Yeah. We had like uh, Circuit City. Tower Records. Did you Obviously remember? Best Buy. Yeah, that, that came up a little bit later. I'm talking about like way back, like, I don't know. How old are you? Okay. Uh, age range. What, what? I am 40. I'm 40 years old. Okay, so I'm 40. I'm 48, so I'm a little bit older than you. Yeah, okay. So like, yeah, like I'm, I'm more of a 90s, let's say. I remember more of like, like my real music memory of being able to take in the lyrics, take in the art, take in the memories was probably starting in like 93 or 94. Okay. So what was what what was the first album that you got that you that Well, on a CD, I you kind of laugh at this one. I had got it was Nirvana. Okay. Bleach. That was the first okay. Um it was Cypress Hill, and it was the single, um, I think it was like, uh, maybe it was Insane in the Brain, but I thought it was like, it was Black Sunday, it was off of Black Sunday, Cypress Hill, and it was a, a Tupac uh, <laughs> single, just like one song. Yeah, like one one song. of course, I remember the, I, I remember the singles, we used, to, I, we used to go buy them, it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, that, that's what I do remember, but I remember getting home with the Nirvana and just, you know, um, falling in love with that, you know. Um, for for me, the first, those, uh, the first cassette that I ever got was uh, my grandma bought me, uh, oh no, it's Devo. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, do you remember Devo? Oh, I have no idea who Devo is. Devo was this '80s arcade, very archaic '80s band, and they were known for like wearing like a flower pot in their head. Um, they were okay. kind of like a like a like a avant-garde uh, band back in the '80s. I, I, I mean, the, the song "Whip It" it's like the most famous song by Devo. Okay, I know that song. Yeah, they, so they, I do know that song. Okay. Yeah, yeah so that, that was like the first uh, record that I that somebody bought for me. Um, and I must have been like nine years old. Uh, I mean, I, I I would say I was about 11 when I got those CDs. I had had other music. I grew up, my dad traveled with the Grateful Dead when I was a child. Really? So I grew up listening to Janis Joplin, Grateful Dead, Almond Brothers, um, stuff like that. So... You know, I was listening to that stuff my whole life. You know, I always had Dead Tapes and Janis Joplin and Cat Stevens and stuff like that. Right. Way before I ever got a CD, you know, um, I would take my dad's Dead shows and tapes and listen to them upstairs, you know, as a, as a young kid. I was probably one of the few that liked The Grateful Dead as a child, you know? You know, there's, um, there's a... I think I, I would... I would think I, I personally think that the Grateful Dead is probably like the number one band uh, with uh, with the number one band that has been like recorded by fans by far. Um, I would agree. Like as far like, as following goes and the, lasting for their 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 
okay. Yeah, there's probably like... I mean, they're still good. There's probably like billion bootleg shows from the dead, man. Yeah, there's Dark Star Orchestra out here. There's all kinds of dead. I know that John Mayer, know, uh, John, John Mayer was touring with the, with the Grateful Dead for a while. Yeah, I went and saw the Dead and Company. I went and saw them uh, twice. I saw them... When I saw the last show Almond Brothers did before Greg Almond died. Oh, wow. And it was at the All Good Festival here in, in Columbus, Ohio, um, with the Dead and John Mayer and all that. So it, that was a really good show. That is, sounds like an uh, awesome show, dude. Yeah, I used to, that was my thing. I used to go to tons of shows, you know, and I, and I said it in the comments, but living in Cleveland, growing up in Cleveland, you know, it's the home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We had every good show come our way. You know, we had everybody. Everybody stopped in Cleveland, and you know that was the thing to do when we were kids was to go to show. Do you know? Do you know um, what? What's it? Why did they build it in Cleveland, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Do you know why? Hmm. I would like to know why. Um, gosh, why? I wonder why. I don't know why. Yeah. Not off the top of my head. I wonder if there's a specific reasoning. I'll, I'll look it up because I don't know the reason. I mean, I know that, for example, like the the Baseball Hall of Fame is in New York because, uh, you know, they say that the first baseball game was played in uh, in Jersey. Well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, they said the, the first baseball game took place in Jersey, but I don't know. Let's see here. Well, they said... The Football the, Hall of Fame is in Canton. I think one of the first football games was in Ohio. Yeah, that, that's, that, that makes sense. He's, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was built in Cleveland, uh, Ohio, for several reasons. Uh, one of them is the Rock and Roll Roots. Okay, says Cleveland is often regarded as a city with a rich history of rock and roll. Okay, the term rock and roll itself is believed to have originated from Cleveland. Okay, DJ Alan Freed. He uh, actually was instrumental in promoting yeah. rock and roll. Yeah, okay, I got you. Musical Heritage. Uh, competitive bid. Proposed. Uh, okay, they had actually Cleveland campaigned hard to have it there as well. They had a financial support. Location as well. So it's a very strategic in the Midwest. They wanted to revitalize the city. Um, okay, so yeah, I mean, if the phrase if if the phrase was coined there, man, yeah, that that's a place to have it. Yeah, it was, and it's in a cool spot. It's on the lake. Um, it's got plenty of. I mean, it's it's a really. Have you have you been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No, I I I've never have been there. I just, I seen it from. I mean, I know exactly the location because Cleveland. Uh, you know, when you visit Cleveland, it's it's pretty. Like you can, you, you see a Cleveland map and it kind of pops right away. Right, um, right, but yeah, I, it's in a be, it's in a great place. Um, they got lucky with their where they got to put it. Um, I don't think they could have chose a better place. And at the same time, they built it. They built, like you said, they revitalized Cleveland. They rebuilt two new state, three new stadiums. Really? The Browns got a new stadium right next to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They built the Indian Stadium, I think, in 93. And then they built the Cavs Stadium right next to it. So they absolutely... Uh, Probably campaigned hard to get that rocket. Those are all. Uh, what year was the rocket? Does it say what year it was? It was uh, built. I bet. I'm gonna guess '94. All right. Uh, well, I know that. Uh, let's see here. It was dedicated September 1st, 1995. 
Hold on, let me see when they built. Because I, I know the first class was like in the in the late eighties. Was like the first class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The foundation was uh, was established in eighty three. Um, the foundation began inducting artists in eighty six, but it still had no home. And uh, the groundbreaking opening ceremony took place on June seven ninety three. And okay. the, the museum so, was dedicated September first ninety five. Yeah. Makes sense. Like, they, they, like I said, the Indian Stadium was built in 93. Everybody came out in 94. So they all were built around the exact same time. And it was this giant boom in Cleveland at the time. And I mean, for me, I just remember the Browns left Cleveland at the time the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame came. Yeah, that was, was the a, Browns moved. They became the Ravens, right? Yeah, yeah. So they mm-hmm. kind of... You know, subs- you know, there was a little gap there. So rock and roll took over and baseball took over uh, Cleveland uh, at that time. Yeah. And, and I don't, I, I heard you talking about, uh, I can't call it football, man. I got to call it soccer. Yeah, go for it. Because I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No, I, I never, I really, I really look at, uh, you know, um, soccer fans. Like they're really diehard fans and I always you know there's nothing more I think uh, magical than watching a crowd as big as like you know Barcelona or who who did you say New Manchester I like I'm a Liverpool Liverpool but it doesn't matter you could pick any of those crowds and they're gonna be nuts oh definitely bro Um, it's like a religious football game and it's there's nothing here no, definitely. It's like a religious experience, man. When you go to a stadium, it's just amazing. By the way, have you ever gone to the um, a Christmas Story house? I've I've driven by there. Uh, my a lot of my friends and family have gone. Um, they said it's pretty dumbed down. Oh, really? You know, yes. Yeah, so I just never really. But I'm a huge, huge fan of the Christmas Story. I love that and movie, I'm a dude. Huge fan of that of all of that, and I'm glad that they restored the house. Yeah, I know right now there's legal issues going on because it's still in a neighborhood. Yes, and a lot of people are going to it, and it's lit up, and a lot of the people aren't very thrilled with it being there. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to end up moving it or not. That would suck. But, that you know, everybody's got to be sticklers about stuff. But did you know in that movie where they're in the in that mall? Yes. You know that movie was, obviously you know it was filmed in Cleveland, that house. But it wasn't just that house. That mall was the, which is Tower City, downtown Cleveland, where they, you know, where you said you'll shoot your eye out, kid, and kick them down the With the, with, with the drunk Santa Claus. Yes, yeah, that was that's downtown Cleveland. Um, that's still there today. I mean, if you walk into Tower City, I mean, it looks exactly like the movie today. Still, <laughs> really, I, I mean, literally, yeah, it really does. It looks very. I mean, obviously, it doesn't have like maybe at Christmas time it might look like that, but I mean, it looks very similar. I mean, you could see all the store. I mean, it's very similar. That's cool. So it's pretty nostalgic for me. I love, I love that movie. Um, you guys had it, huh? Go ahead. No, I was gonna say that's probably the one movie that can get me in Christmas spirit. Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of times in Christmas they'll play like over and over and over and over again. Yeah, 
and it doesn't get old. Yep, <laughs> no. You guys have a Brooklyn and Cleveland as well, huh? A what? You guys have a Brooklyn, a city of Brooklyn and Cleveland. I'm looking at a yeah, Cleveland map. Yeah, old old Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah, there's a Brooklyn, old Brooklyn. That's right. Yes, sir. Um, that's in the west side of Cleveland, and it's um, it's uh, it's like a middle class area, and it's 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 a nice area. Um, I have friends from there, and yeah, it's a good it's a good place to live. I, I have nothing negative to say about Brooklyn. Um. Yeah. No, nothing bad about Brooklyn. And, and you were born, born in, uh, you were born in, uh, in Cleveland. Yeah, I was born in Fairview, which is actually right next to Brooklyn. To be honest, it's probably oh, yeah. like it's probably the city next to it. Okay. I was born so, in Fairview, Ohio, which is right outside of. So I'm gonna uh, go. I'm gonna, to to keep uh, in the spirit of the show. I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to go through a list of 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 of, of Cleveland lore, and I want to know I want to know your opinion and whether you've ever been to these places or and or whether you experienced any of these things. Are you game? Yeah, I'm on. I'm in. All right. So yeah. the number it says here there, there's a place called Franklin Castle, which is a historic mansion located uh, located in Cleveland's Ohio City neighborhood, known for its Victorian architecture and rumored hauntings, stories of secret passages. Hidden rooms and ghostly apparition have circulated for years. You ever been to Franklin Castle? I have. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been inside, but I've been in. It's on the east side. Um, it was actually they call it that. It was on that block. It was the first block of mansions I believe in ever in really? the United States. That's where the Rockefellers lived. Um, the Carnegies lived there. Really? All, the, uh, all those families stem from Cleveland? Yes. Yeah, they all... Rockefeller's from Cleveland, man. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, he's buried on the east side of Cleveland. Yeah, hey. It, 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 Listen, uh, before we go on, I want to thank you for something. I, I, I started watching Timeless yesterday. What an awesome show, man. Oh, yes. I'm glad. I found it in... a great show? I found it in Hulu... I found it in Hulu and I started watching it and dude it's in a, I saw like four almost four episodes yesterday. Yeah, it's 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 great. You know what I'm talking about the, the to the people that are listening, you know, we're it's a show called Timeless and it's a time travel show and they go back and they tries to to fix certain incidences um, without causing a butterfly effect and while doing so there's like this I don't know if you got to the part yet with like these black suit Illuminati guys. Not yet. Time traveling. No, not okay, yet. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. I'll stop right here then. But, but everybody, go and check it out. It's a really cool show. But what I wanted and what reminded me of the show was the fact that you mentioned uh, you mentioned the Rockefellers, and in the first episode uh, about the Hindenburg. Uh, it's actually it, 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 the, the Rockefellers were, were supposed to believe, uh, be be on the flight back to England on on top of uh, on top of the, the the Zeppelin that went down. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, you hear those stories all the time. Now, can I tell you, you guys? All right, here's something crazy. I, this is actually a story um, that stuck with me my whole life. So when I was younger. 
I used to have dreams, and we'll go back to what you were doing, but when we talk about the Heidelberg, or that's what it's called, right? The, the, Heidelberg. the Hindenburg. 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 Okay, when we talk about that, um, when I was, I would say, five to seven years old, like young enough that, you know, you don't know any of that stuff, but you can, the dream still sticks with me till, to, this, to this day. Go on. I had a dream. Uh, a reoccurring dream that I lived in the old New York City and I literally could walk down the street and I remember to this day I mean I can see it right now as we're talking going by the old Yankee Stadium when they were Brooklyn and going you know being in old downtown um, New York and then I have uh, 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 and this is like I think maybe because it's pretty traumatic, uh-huh. but I have this memory of a blimp flying over and everybody running and it screaming. And I would now think it would be more German stuff and causing this giant fire. Okay. And I remember in my dream being on a rooftop watching it all happen and it. it it stuck with me for so long. And then I had moved to Columbus. I was about 18, 19 years old. My buddy was selling art and he came over and he had a picture of that blimp on fire. Really? And when I saw it, I instantly, I mean, I had full blown. It was like I was there. Wait, so, so, so you had a dream about, you had no idea what, I mean, you never uh, heard about this before? Never even knew about it. Never, even, not even as I always, I never knew, never even learned about it in school. Never knew about it. I always thought it was just a reoccurring dream that I had in my head. That's wild, man. And come to find out, I saw that picture and then I had saw like a little like black and white maybe movie on it. Uh-huh. And then when Timeless came on, it was like, and I saw that, and all just, yeah, so that, I don't know, I mean, I've always had that, and I, I always wondered, like, man, like, I don't know, I swear to you on everything I love, I could have described to you, now, you know, it's it's kind of faded, but there was a point in time where I could have described to you old New York. That's like, a, described it to you perfectly. That is so a, when people talk about dreams and all that, I don't put anything past anybody because I personally am a, uh, can have some pretty deep reoccurring dreams. So sorry to get off topic. But no, that, no, no. It's, that that uh, always bring, comes up to my head when I talk about that. Yeah, no, we don't have topics here, man. We just kind of go with the flow, you know? But that that's awesome, dude, that... Uh, that's that. That's a trip, man. That that you had those dreams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had other ones too, but that that one in particular. Every time I see that that specific um, the Hindenburg, I start to um, go back to being a child or whatnot. So, what other places did you have? Did you have any other? Yeah. Ones? So we're gonna go. We're gonna keep. So the, okay, the second place. It's not well. It is a place, but it's more of a of a something. This is called the Lake Erie Monster. So it says here, similar to Loch Ness Monster, Lake Erie has its own legendary creature known as Bessie, 
uh, or the Lake Erie Monster. Sightings of a large serpent-like creature in the lake have been reported over the years, fueling speculation about its existence. Ever come across anybody that's seen anything, or have you ever experienced anything like that? I, I mean, it's a huge, huge, yeah. t- it's talked about a lot. Um, we actually have a hockey team called the Lake Erie Monsters, no. um, named after the Lake, the Lake Erie Monster. Um, I've never seen it personally, but I've heard many stories, and I don't know if I'm going to maybe I'll hold the stories that I heard because you might ask me uh-huh. but the Cuyahoga River is known to be haunted and there's haunted boats and stuff like that and you probably will get to that I'm sure I won't get into it yet but that I've heard many stories of, of actual testimony of people hearing uh, boats and there not be one so well, you know that they- come up here because that's something Cleveland's known for. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, one second. Uh, I want to make something, but I want to get my wording correctly um, before I go on, because there's a cool theory. Okay, yeah, so it is latitude. So there's a theory that, you know, we have all these so-called monsters that are pretty much described as the similar, like the long neck dinosaurs with big fins and what have you. Uh, and one time I was hearing a show, and they, the the funny thing is that, that all these sightings, they share the same latitude, approximately. You know, uh, Loch Ness is a little bit higher. Um, and so, but, it, but you have, you know, you have Lake Erie. Uh, you also have uh, Ogopogo, I believe that comes from uh, a lake up in New York. Uh, I want to know the name of the, of the lake. The, what, is it, what does it sit on? What is, what's the longitude or what's it sit on so roughly um one second i'll tell you right now so so sorry i'm cruising here the internet at the same time oh you're doing great man doing great Thank you. Um, I would say 60, well, no, a little bit lower than that. I would say about uh, maybe like 50, 50, 58, 56 latitude. Yeah, because it goes, no, a little bit lower, actually, 40, between 45 and, between 45 and 55. That's like the latitude where where they've they've experienced all these like lake, um, lake monsters, you know, whether it be Canadian lakes, uh, like I said, Ogopogo, which um, it's it's in uh, Okahana Lake in British Columbia. And so the theory is that they may be like a family of these guys. And then based on the time of year, they have like underground tunnel connections uh, from lake to lake. And so like, for example, like during some certain time of the year, they'll be up in Loch Ness, and then they'll kind of swim and be in the United States lakes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, look, look, I don't believe in, I, I don't believe in space very much, okay? Mm-hmm. I do have a theory. I do, we don't know what's below us. Oh, no. Um, no. So I always, no. you know, the song Black Hole Sun, I always have this theory of, you know, they always say as above, so below. What if? to get out of this, yeah. you know, because I, 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 what if you have to go through the bottom? 
Right. We don't know. Right. So, leaving that, I leave that topic open, and I could, yeah, I don't know, and I believe I could buy that. I could buy that. Yeah, because it's interesting you know? that all these apparitions happen within the, that those two latitudes. Even though I know that in, uh, I know that there's in, and I believe in Congo there, there's also like uh, sea snake, like sea creatures. But it's funny that they share that same latitude. It could be just water temperature variance, you know. And uh, sometimes they migrate during certain times of the year to get like a warmer water, if you will. But it, I mean, it's something that it's interesting. It doesn't have to be the truth, but you know, you can choose to make it your truth if you want. But it, to me, it sounded pretty interesting. It's very interesting, and there's something to that. There's something to it being at a certain longitude, latitude, with, and it's not just with that, like, you know, um, monoliths. Okay. Monoliths, they all sit on the same longitude, latitude. You can take the monolith from Washington, D.C., you can take the, the monolith, just look up monoliths, look up the the maybe even the pyramids they all sit on the same longitude latitude all the way across i think it's the 33rd and that's even more trippy but i could be wrong what the actual number is but i know it's something when you hear it you're like oh yeah that number oh wow Um, yeah that's a trip i haven't heard of that so there's something to them putting or hearing a lot of um what you would call it what like I guess you know whatever uh, strange events happening or all that there's something to the longitude latitude I I, I definitely um, are you familiar with like the whole concept of out of place artifacts what, say that again out of place out of what uh, they're called out of out of place artifacts Okay, I mean, I can, I got an idea of exactly what you're talking about, but mm-hmm. I don't know what your what relics you're talking about. Yeah, like, so you're talking about like finding a boat in the middle of the desert. There's no, like an old boat in the middle of the desert, something mm-hmm. like that. No, no, no. So uh, they're called oop. Uh, the, it's oopart, for example, double O P A R T. So it's an artifact. Uh, it's an out-of-place oh, artifact. Oh. So it's an artifact uh, of historical or archaeological or paleontological interest found in an unusual context would challenge the convention historical chronology uh, precedent in the context. So, so case, case in point, have you ever heard of the Anikotherium uh, mechanism? Yes, sir. All right, so the Anikotherium mechanism was, it's basically a computer um, a binary computer that was found um, sh- sunken off the island of Anikotherium uh, within within Greece, okay. And then uh, they found that they were they were probably doing some kind of dive, and they were able to find this this uh, this mechanism. And and what it does is they they were able to via radiographs, X-ray, they were able to make like 3d prints and and basically what it is it's a computer that is able to i mean it's not like an electrical computer but it's something it's an analog computer and they're able to you know you're able to see the movement of the suns based on gears and you can predict uh seasons you can predict um eclipses and this is thing something that was supposedly be built like in the second century bc yeah that's trippy 
That's yeah. trippy. Do you know? Do you know about the guy in Florida? Ah, oh, gosh, the dude who built his whole entire uh, oh, the, state. Yeah, um, the, the the coral palace. Coral guy, yeah, the coral guy. Yeah, yeah, that that kind. Of, you know, they he used some sort of you know um, device supposedly. Do you believe that? Did you have you seen it? Like, have you actually seen? Yeah, that, like um, I never been there. I lived in Florida, but I never saw it. Like uh, they were saying that he was able to levitate rocks or. Um, I mean, the, the, this guy did such an amazing job lifting stones that would probably require 40 guys, and he did it on his own at nighttime. Um, yeah, using frequencies, supposedly. You know, now, I'm what, a, made me, what made me think of it, though, is he had a sundial okay. that, was, that was lined up to the moon. Like, he was able to do all that type of stuff with the sundial that he made. And, like, you look through it, and, like, the clips would be like perfect inside of that dial. There was like, he did a lot of really cool, like, you know, different stuff that, uh, besides just that, like he had a lot of really cool stuff that was in there. Like, but the sundial in particular, um, or like a telescope, you know, it was like a telescope. Right. That had like, that when the sun moved at a specific point, it would go through this hole and, uh, I don't know what it would do exactly, to be honest, from there. So, also, <laughs> so also, for example, the, the this is probably going to be the topic for tomorrow. But I'll give a I'll do a, a show on the out of place artifacts. There's also these thing. This map is called the Pyrie Reese map. Uh, this was a, a map was was drawn in 1513 by an Ottoman admiral called Pyrie Reese, uh, and this world map actually includes a description of South America and Antarctica. And the accuracy of these descriptions, uh, given the historical context, has intrigued research forever because this was in 15, you know, 1513, way back before so called unquote they discovered America, and it has even Antarctica on the map itself. You know, right. uh, this other thing was amazing. It's called the London Hammer, which is a hammer like object with a wooden handle and a metal head that was found in London, Texas in the 30s. And uh, based on geological studies, it suggests that this could have been, it was embedded embedded in a, a, gro- in a rock dated to be millions of years old. Man. Yeah. So these are all it items. It makes you think. Yeah. It makes you think. It makes you th- yeah, it makes you think big time. So let's not, okay, well, I'm going to go back to the, because I'll, I'll leave this for the topic tomorrow. Uh, so I'm going to keep asking you a little bit about Cleveland since we kind of oh. got stuck. So the next one is called the Riverside Cemeteries. Uh, the Riverside Cemetery, actually, which is one of the oldest cemeteries in Cleveland. It's said to be haunted. I don't know if you've ever been to the Riverside Cemetery. I've heard of it. Now, could you see uh, what famous people are buried there? Because uh, there's a couple of them. Sure. Like I told you there's the famous cemetery that Rockefeller was buried in on the east side. Um, not exactly. I thought that one was called Calvary, though. Okay. But that one's known to be really haunted. Uh, recently, people actually ransacked Rockefeller's grave and took his the skull and all types of weird stuff. They did what? I'm recently, sorry. Like within, they ransacked his. It was like a mausoleum, and they like took his skull and took some bones and stuff like that so his 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 stuff kept getting messed with a lot um oh wow so 
so they say it's that area is pretty neat. Carnegie, all of them are buried. There. Does it say which one they were buried in? Do you know? Uh, I'm looking in right now. It looks like a small cemetery, actually. Um, but you said Car- Andrew Carnegie was was uh, buried there. I know Rockefeller. I thought Rockefeller and Carnegie were buried in the same cemetery. Let's see. Um, he's buried. Uh, it's called Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. That's a cool name. Um, I wonder where. The, yeah. This, so th- this is uh, okay. So Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. One second here. Because here's just a lot of Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. This is actually in New York. Uh, uh, Sleepy uh, numerous figures, uh, including okay. So Wa- Washington Irving, the writer of the Sleepy Hollow legend, the Sleepy Hollow. Uh, I think maybe they they could have named it after him, but notable burials. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see anybody here. Andrew Carnegie is actually buried here, so they could have moved them. Sometimes they move people, you know. Yeah, maybe I know for a fact that Rockefeller. Maybe it was Rockefeller's father, John D. Rockefeller, or whatever, is buried on the east side. I know for a fact Rockefeller is buried on the east side, and I know that's where they're from. Is from Cleveland. Um, Let me see. The Carnegies, all that, all started in, in, in Cleveland. Yeah, um, the whole thing. He was actually yeah. Have you okay? So it says uh, industrial John D. Rockefeller died in thirty seven and was buried in Lakeview, beneath beneath a seventy foot obelisk. So this was uh, yeah. I guess the name is called Lake Lakeview Cemetery, maybe. Lakeview. What was? You, what did you ask me? The first one. Riverside. Riverside. That's why I got it confused. It was Lakeview and there's Riverside. I mean. That was very close. Yeah, pretty close. Um, yeah. Le- yeah, Lakeview, Riverside. Uh, let's see here. Notable interment. My my goodness, there's so many people there. Uh, let's see here. I mean, Cleveland has a rich history, man. For, you know, it was... The mob. You have... Uh, yeah, you know, James, James Garfield is buried there, President of the United States. Uh... Let's see. I'm just looking at uh, this couple of ma- mayors. Um, John D. Rockefeller, yeah, he's buried there as well. Um, co-founder of Sherwin Sherwin William Company, Mr. Sherwin is buried there. Yeah, so there's a lot of famous people there that I wouldn't. I wonder f- if that's a a Masonic um, ma- Masonic cemetery. Uh, yeah, I wonder if that's a Masonic. I mean, everybody we just named are are, are Masons. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they have like a Masonic uh, branch of it. You know. I mean, the fact that he's buried under an obelisk says a lot to me. <laughs> you know? I know, dude. That's crazy. You're right. I didn't. I didn't put two and two together. Yeah. Um, let's see. It says here that. Uh, the Egyptian-style obelisk alone was 51 feet, uh, 9 inches tall. 
Uh, it was the largest granite, sh granite shaft ever quarried in the U.S. and the second largest single piece to be erected in the U.S. after Cleopatra's Needle in Central Park, New York. It's a big boy. Wow. It's a big boy. That's, yeah. Yeah. How did people get to it? Get maybe it was his son. Or maybe there's other Rockefellers that live there. Yeah, perhaps, or man. Not live, not live there, buried there. I'm sorry. Live there. Yeah. Their corpse lives. Uh, this yeah. is... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's right in, uh, I was just here, Uptown, Magnolia, Wade Park District, Heights, Rockefeller. So there's an area even made for the Rockefellers. Yeah, there's Rockefeller buildings. There's Rockefeller streets. Yeah, the original Rockefeller buildings before the New York Rockefeller. Yes, this the is original the, Rockefeller buildings. Th this is the father of the New York Rockefellers, right? Yes, sir. So this is the guy that made yes. all the, this is the guy that made the money. He's, this is the guy that taught him how to to conquer big oil. Yeah, right. this was remember it was mean. Was it like mean John Rockefeller, and he taught his kids to be, uh, you know, how to how to basically be heartless. He was very heartless. He would scam his own children. My goodness! So that they would, yeah, yeah. Anybody that wants to know more about the Rockefellers, there's a good documentary called I think it's like How Big Oil Conquered or how. Was it called How Big Oil Was Conquered? I believe is what it's called. And uh -huh. it, it, it goes in depth about uh, Rockefeller and Carnegie's and Cleveland and how they um, took over and monopolized that era. Wow. So let's see. We'll, we'll go down the list here. We have uh, the Cleveland Torso Murders. Have you heard about that? The what? The Cleveland Torso Murders. This happened in the 30s. It was a series of unsolved murders in Cleveland involving dismemberment bodies. Uh, dismembered bodies earned the nickname the Cleveland Torso Murders. The case remained one of the city, the city's most famous unsolved mysteries. So somebody, I guess, will like dismember people and just leave their torsos laying around. Whoa! Yeah. I do know this one, and it's more recent. It was Eric Sowell. I, it might be on your list too, but he was a serial killer and he was burying all these man i hate to say it but he was he was luring in like uh women off the streets and he was burying their bodies in the walls oh man and, i mean there was tons of them and the police were called to that house many 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 times and for a bad smell and I mean, this is, I'm talking maybe in the last 15 years, 10 years. This isn't like that, that old. And it, it was by a factory. So they just, uh, you know, chalked it up to the factory and come to find out they pulled out, you know, hundreds of bodies out of this guy's wall. That's crazy. Man. Like, like recently. And, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer's not from Cleveland, but he's from Canton or Akron, which is yeah down the street, right, right? outside. Right from where I grew up, I had my my championship football game was literally across the street from where he grew up. So did you? Yeah, you can see the house. Did you go to? Did you go to the same uh, Le, LeBron James? Right, he's from Akron. Yeah, I met. I I I used to know LeBron James personally. Like I I knew his cousin, and um, I went to Akron University to college. Oh, so he, I I was very much that was in my era. So yeah, I played basketball with LeBron. I knew his 
family. Um, I've sat with his mom at basketball games. Um, yeah. What a trip. Yeah, I definitely. He lived in Bath, Ohio, which is also where um, Jeffrey Dahmer is from. Um, and I lived in Medina, Ohio, which is literally about 12 minutes from each other. Oh, wow. So... So you, you went to the um, yeah. same, you guys went to the same high school? No, I went to Medina. I believe he oh, went to St. Vincent, St. Mary's. Okay, gotcha. We we played them. We played them. Like, we played against them in, in, in uh, sports. Got it. So, yeah, LeBron, his mansion still sits in Bath, and his mansion will probably always be his mansion because I can't picture anybody else buying something that big in the middle of Bath, <laughs> Ohio. Yeah, I bet. So, so, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, awesome, man. I, um, yeah, so uh, Cleveland has a lot of, a lot of, lot of history. So, um, a lot of history, a lot of industry, a lot of things were born there. Um, you just, you guys just have the bad luck for the, for the sports. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sports were damn near, you know, born here. I mean, yeah. back in the day, I we did we talked about this. Remember the stadium being buried over that in, that Indian burial ground? Yeah, now? yeah, and that's they right. Buried, they they. They built that stadium the same year they built the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh boy! And all that—it was all at the same time. Oh, and you get, the Browns left. I didn't know Can, you Canton's Canton's close to you, man. Yeah, Canton's Canton and Akron and all that Columbus have, were all within like forty-five minutes, an hour and a half apart. Have you, you been know, to the far. Have you been to the the Pro Football Hall of Fame? No, believe it or not, I've been by it. I've been to a football game there, but I've never been inside, like walked around the football hall of fame. No, oh, yeah. I never did. I have friends that live that are probably going to listen to this show that live in North Canton, right in where the football hall of fame is. That is so cool. So, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just, there's actually an. I didn't know there was, there was an airport there too, the Akron uh, Canton Airport. Now, did they mention? Did they mention in that list the Mansfield uh, Penitentiary? No, they, they. I'll tell you what they have here. They have the Helltown, um, but it actually says it's located in Boston Township, Ohio. Um, usually, they, they, they refer to it as Helltown to tales of haunted houses and buildings. They have Cry Baby Lane. I don't know if you heard of Cry. I know where that's at. Yeah, Cry- I, I know where that's at. Uh, the West Side Market Haunting. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Agora Theater. Dude, okay, the Agora Theater is trippy. I love the Agora Theater. I've seen a million shows at the Agora. What's the, what do they say is haunted? Why? I mean, so, I can see why. I've seen many Pink Floyd laser shows and... Uh, you name it, we've seen it. It's an old school theater. My, I, real fast. That's a my one of my best friends. Rest in peace. He passed away a few years ago. His uncle owned it. Really? So we used to go to shows and sit in the green room. I mean, my name's on the wall in the green room. Yeah. So it looks like an, know, I'm looking at I'm looking at pictures right now. It looks like an awesome place. I'm very. It looks like a very intimate place for a show. It is, it's, dude, you can walk right up to the stage. I mean, literally walk right up. Um, it is a very awesome 
place to see a show. I, wow. I, still, I saw Sublime there. I saw a lot of good shows there. A lot of good shows there. So what it says yeah, here, uh, it says historic music venue in Cleveland has seen countless of performances, obviously. Some have claimed to experience uh, paranormal activities, including apparitions and strange sounds while inside the building. Hmm. Yeah. I always thought that was just me. <laughs> or, or, oh, so you have, yeah? Just, oh, yeah, I've been there. I've, I've had, oh, yeah, I've lost, I mean, I've heard of all these things, but... You know, like I said, I go see Pink Floyd laser shows there. You know, see, they they hold some cool stuff there. So I never really would thought of like hearing like weird sounds and stuff like that, and would think of it as paranormal just because it's already pretty uh, occulty when being at a Floyd show or something of the sure. sort. You hear those type of so. Well, so man, hear that's that trippy it. to know that. I, I, that's something I I I you know I didn't even know. I just felt those vibes because it was a really old it's still there i mean yeah. it's, it's on it's on cleveland state campus it says uh, it says this place was originally a uh, vaudeville uh, and it was built i think in 1930 what was it built 1913 man so this place is 110 years old it says that bruce springsteen u2 bowie the rolling stones pink floyd nirvana the clash zeppelin uh queen yeah. the who i mean everybody's played there. even bob marley's playing there man yeah, it's the spot. It's wow. the spot. Definitely. Like I said, there's 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 another one called the Odium that's very very sim- similar to that. Very haunted, and it's it is a beautiful spot to see a show. Though I mean, very intimate. Very, you know, the acoustics are really well. Um, and I can see there being some really paranormal stuff there too. It's on the lake, and it's all the same bands, all the same people you just named, all there too. You know, like I said, Cleveland was a big spot. I mean, I remember as a kid, you know, people, you know, looking at the the concert tour, and Cleveland was always on the list. Oh no, it's and, I'm a, and yeah. For, for it being a small city. It's sure, you know, I live in Columbus now, which is about right. an hour and a half south. So I live in central Ohio now. And you would think being on Ohio State, you know, right next to Ohio State campus, there's tons of kids, there's there's a lot more going on. There'd be a lot more concerts and Cleveland still just takes over. Like even if the band was coming to Ohio and they were gonna stop in Cleveland, they were gonna stop in Columbus and stop in Cincinnati, I would absolutely choose to go to Cleveland to see the concert. Definitely. Uh, I think Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails is from Cleveland, right? He's from, I thought, Canton? Akron? Akron? Oh, okay, he's from, a- he's from, a- okay, yeah, okay. Because I know that I was watching, I was watching uh, some early, uh, even before he was in Nine Inch Nails, and he was, uh, or like early Nine Inch Nails shows, and he was like on public public television, I think it was in the Cleveland area. Yes, sir. Yeah, he's very big. He, they were very big. Um, when, I'm trying to think. Have you heard of the the band Mushroom Head? No, I never heard of them. That's another band that was really big back in the day. With that, Trent Reznor was affiliated with. Uh, Chrissy Hyde. Yeah, Chrissy Hyde is from there too. Tracy Chapman, Anita Eric, Baker, Eric, Kim Deal from Eric the Breeders. Clapton, he lives. Eric Clapton right now lives. Probably twenty minutes for me, twenty five minutes. Really, he lives in. I didn't know he lived in Cleveland. 
he was in Columbus. Uh, he lives in um, Dublin, Ohio. I went and saw uh, a BB King show, and it just so happened that his special guest was Eric Clapton. Yeah, th- those two were pretty tight. I, I yeah, I went to the BB King show not knowing that Clapton was going to be there, and he brought him out, and they did a whole set, like oh, like an hour and a half, two hour set. Together. That's crazy. It says here uh-huh. that yeah, it says Clapton owns a house a, a, a house in Dublin, uh, Dublin, Ohio, and that's where he prefers to live. Yeah, that's in Delaware County. It's where I'm at. Wow. He was, he, you know, there's a lot. Yeah. I guess the yeah, the weather the weather must be similar to like a British weather, I would assume, right? Um, we don't like Cleveland gets the lakes the lakeside effect, so they get lots of snow real fast. Um, it's a it's a little milder winters. I mean, I would say it's ten degrees warmer, and it's southern Ohio. Um, I don't know what the wet winters like where you said. But it's very mild, at least my experience living out here. Maybe compared to Cleveland, it's, it's pretty mild. Um, How long is it? It gets warm. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I would say it gets warmer in the summer. It's usually, like I said, you go into Columbus, it's 10 degrees warmer than anywhere else in Ohio, usually. How long How long is your drive from Cleveland to Columbus? Like two hours? Hour and a half. So That's I'm in bad. central Ohio. Literally, I'm in the center of Ohio. I could get to pretty much anywhere in Ohio in about an hour and a half, two hours. How about There's nowhere in Ohio that you can't get to that's about an hour, hour okay. and a half, two hours. So you can catch, I mean, you can go to, you're, you're close to a lot of sports cities here by Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Louisville. You're pretty, pretty good located. Kentucky, yeah, 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 yeah. There is Indiana. So Indiana, there's a there's a spot in Ohio called the Tri City, and it's where Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio all meet, and you could be standing in three different states at one time. Yeah, they have something similar, and and I think uh, you can stand in stand in uh, in four states. I think it's in color. I want to say it's Colorado. Uh, you can stand on. Uh, I'll find out right now. But yeah, you have tri cities where you can stand um, in three cities. There's a place here. I want to one second here. I want to find it out for you because this is a trippy one. You can stand. Um, well, I see th- four. Yeah, so it, you can stand in New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, and Colorado uh, at this crossroads. It's called Four Four Corners Monument. I wonder if that's the place where you can stand on most states at once. Four four borders is kind of it's it's hard borders to get. Borders a lot. I mean, how many more could you get? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Unless, yeah, that's pretty much it. Unless yeah. you're really tall and you can maybe stretch to <laughs> another corner. You can Tokyo. play. Uh, you can play uh, Twister with uh, with the U.S. map. Put a uh, put your <laughs> foot foot in Ohio and put your uh, put put your left foot on Nebraska or something like that. That's cool. Um, so, uh, so you know, we're talking about these things haunted in Ohio, and I don't understand, and maybe it's further down, but I, again, I say the Mansfield Penitentiary, and when I say that, because 
I don't care where you're at in Ohio. You know, you're t- we're talking a lot about Cleveland. Yeah. But Man- Mansfield Penitentiary is 40 minutes, 45 minutes outside of Cleveland, and it's 45 minutes to an hour from Columbus. So it's like halfway between. Um, there's the old Mansfield and there's the new Mansfield. If you want to talk about paranormal activity... I, from what I understand, and I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it's one of the most haunted, paranormal, active places in the country. Wow. Um, people, t- I mean, people, you can go there. Like, I'm sure tours just ended because Halloween just ended. But for like a month out of the year, I mean, you take a tour and you go to the, the old I state penitentiary. I'm, I'm looking. So I, I guess they renamed it the Ohio State Reformatory, uh, which okay. hap- which happens to be in Mansfield, Ohio. Man, this place looks like a castle from Hogwarts. Yes, and you know what oh, was filmed there? Yes, my favorite you know one of my filmed? one of my favorite movies was filmed there. Shawshank, yes, sir. And I, I think Stephen King wrote Shawshank, right? Um, was it Stephen King? I think so. That's trippy. That 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 you know, I'll never forget watching yeah. Shawshank for the first time. And I, I saw it in the theater myself. What that was the original title of the book. It's yeah, it is a Stephen King book, and the original title is called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Okay. You know why? So, Rita, yeah. You know why they use Rita Hayward, right? No, no, inform me. Remember the poster that he had in his room? Mm-hmm. The poster mm-hmm. of that pretty 1940s actress. Yes, I do. Where he built a whole behind? He yeah, that's Rita Hayward. Okay. Okay. So wow. Yeah, see, so I don't know why that didn't make the list, but, I mean, that's probably one of the most talked about things where people from Columbus, Cincinnati, I don't care where you're from, even from other states, they travel to go there just to take a tour of it. You know, they'll let you roam it. Uh, They'll let you sit in cells in the dark. I mean, I guess it's pretty trippy. Where, um, have you, how far is that from where you're at? It was probably half hour, 45 minutes. Oh, it's very close. Not, yeah, it's not far at all. People people do that quite often. I think there's a place at the border of... Uh, so on the Ohio River, there it, it separates West Virginia from Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's a place in West Virginia right at the Ohio border that's supposed to be really haunted also that people take trips to and you know spend hours i think it's woods actually i don't think it's like an actual it's woods got it yeah this place i mean it looks speaking of album covers that would be a somebody uh, needs to take a picture of this place uh it would be an awesome picture for an album cover it looks it looks amazing man it looks like like, just it's a a beautiful architecture i heard the tree got now, if I'm not mistaken, the, the yes. tree at the end of Shawshank, I didn't, didn't it die? Recently? Yeah, it got, I think it got, uh, I want to say it got hit by lightning. The tree where, where they, uh, where Andy, uh, uh, where Andy, um, buries the, 
the, the his destination, Siawanatu, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that tree actually got it got burned down or got hit by by lightning. So yeah, it was something tragic, and it was something really in my mind. I remember hearing it going, "That's that's pretty trippy." I think that there's something, you know, there's some uh, paranormal to that too. That that because yeah. that was such a uh, that was such a I can't explain. The, I, don't, I don't know the word. It was it's a symbol of that whole era that whole area that tree was a huge and for that to be taken down it was a like the end of an era that's it it was like the end of an era you know yeah um, yeah it's like one of the you know it's like a, it's like those natural landmarks that that define a state you know be akin to um i don't know dude like uh what's the name of this place where they have like the four carving of the president's head Oh, yeah, yeah, like Mount... Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so yeah. it'll be like a kind of like Mount Rushmore, like just disappearing or or what, or falling down. Actually, yeah. they, they had a... Yeah. Let me see here. You Remember how they when they released the, the new U.S. quarters? How they the had like... What? U.S. quarters? You, okay, yeah, okay. you remember the, the they had like the 50 uh, commemorative uh, U.S. quarters? I, I think they started releasing mm-hmm. them like in 2000. I do. Yeah, there was one quarter. I forgot the state, but it had like an Indian head formation. Here it is. It had an Indian head formation. Like that was what the state was known for. And that Indian head formation ended up uh, coming down. Uh, really? What, yeah, what state is this? Uh, that's kind of like, um, man, that's kind of like uh, recently when the Georgia Guidestones were uh, struck down by lightning. Call that a coincidence or not. You know about that, Wait, right? I thought they were, um, I actually thought the, the, the Georgia Guidestones were blown up. Blown up or, okay, they say it was blown up, some say it was struck by lightning. Really? There's no, yeah, there's, there's, there's a million different stories. Oh, I think maybe the original story was it was hit by lightning. That's okay. That's, that's, that's interesting, man. But now it's going to, I need to find, I I would like to know. I want to know now because now I'm, now I'm having a Mandela effect because, um, no, I I heard it was, I heard it got blown up. I, 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 I heard that too. I heard that too, but I believe the first report was it got hit by lightning. Huh. I'm stuck in the... Go, you and, can, you know, and, and for me, I always feel like that first report seems to be the right one, and then there's there's some sort of... Um, right. Contr- you know, damage control. Oh, we got to uh, so, change this narrative. So the state of New Hampshire, the quarter for the state of New Hampshire was the ninth quarter... Uh, to be released um, to honor the 50 states that they had the first the first set of five, five quarters was released in 99 and I think they released you know five quarters in each year and they started in 99 and they finished in 2008 so the quarter in question uh, was from the second set uh, state of New Hampshire released in 2000 and it had a, a picture of old, old old man on the mountain Okay, which was a, a rock formation, uh, which actually had been there, I would assume, for hundreds or thousands of years. 
And then lo and behold, um, it collapsed in, when did it collapse? It collapsed in May 3rd, 2002. So that, uh, as I'm sitting here thinking, was it then not the Georgia Guidestones, but what's the what's the um, the rock formation that is supposed to be kind of like uh, oh gosh, Obama was seen taking pictures there at one point. It's it's uh, having a brain fart right now. It's uh, I think in Europe. In Europe. Uh, yeah. Did this? Did this, yeah. So going back to the Georgia guy stones. Stonehenge. I'm sorry, Stonehenge. That's what I was thinking. Stonehenge. Oh, Stonehenge. Yeah. Stonehenge. So it says here that the, actually the Georgia guy stones was was bombed on July 6, 2022. Yeah. The, I, that day, there's a many things that happened on that day. That day stems out. So then was. So then was was. Um, was the other place I just said was that then hit with lightning? Oh, okay. I, um, Stonehenge. Yeah, Stonehenge. Uh, let me see. Uh, pictured over. No, I, I don't. I don't. Uh... Well, there was an American Stonehenge. There was a place called the American Stone Engine. I think that was probably... No, 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 that's the same place. That's the Georgia Geistons. I think those were also hit by lightning. Yeah, so they were those. That, that was hit by lightning, and then it was also uh, bombed, destroyed. Okay. I knew that. I knew. I'm sitting here going, man, having a hard time here. I thought it was hit by lightning, and then, yeah, it got bombed. It got bombed. It got put so out of its... <laughs> yeah. So somebody, uh, somebody had a, somebody had a, had had it it for it, you know. Yeah, there's somebody that was ambitious enough to do what everybody wishes they could do. I know. It said it, it had supposedly it had some um, connotations of Satanism. Uh, what did the the, the, the George, Georgia Guidestone? Yeah, yeah. It, it was written in many different languages. Um, it might have. It might have. Um, I know it was. It had like God's law. It had its own law. Right, so it says. Um, it was written. In, it was. You're right. It says the Georgia Guidestones is a granite monument located in Elbert County, Georgia. Sometimes referred to as the American Stonehenge, uh, it consists of a set of large standing stones arranged in a circular circular pattern. Uh, this was actually erected in 1980 and features the inscription in multiple languages, like you had just said, outlining what are known as the Guidestones Ten Commandments or the Guidestones Message. So, uh, the inscriptions on the Georgia Guidestone include guidelines for humanity, uh, focusing on the principles for a more sustainable and harmonious world. Uh, the message actually had ten principles or commandments. The first one was maintain humanity under... Uh, uh, 500 million no excuse me yeah 500 million yeah 500 uh, and, million. and perpetual yeah. balance with nature that was number one number two was uh, guide reproduction wisely improving uh, fitness and by and diversity some uh, kind of eugenics uh, sort of message 
uh, unite humanity yeah. with a living new language. Uh, number four was rule, passion, faith, tradition, all things with tempered reason. Number five was protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Number six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Seven is avoid petty lawsuits and usual uh, useless officials. Eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Nine, price truth, beauty, love, seek harmony with the infinite. And uh, ten was be no, be not be not a cancer of the earth. Leave room for nature and leave room for nature. This. I mean, I can get behind that. We've we've done we've gone through those, and I and I remember saying this then, and I'll say it again now. I can get behind some of the stuff. That yeah, me too. There. Absolutely. It's you just uh, the origin and purpose of the Georgia Guidestones remain somewhat mysterious. A man using the pseudonym R.C. Christian commissioned the construction yeah. of the monument and hired the, you know, the the, the company. Um, R.C. Christian claimed to represent a group of concerned citizens who wanted to convey a message for future generations. So yeah, uh, basically, you know, the, what, what made that like so. I guess the worst part of it, obviously, was to keep the population at five hundred thousand. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. No, we're. I think we're going an eight billion uh, now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like they they want to cut it down. Yes. Significantly. Oh yeah. 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 So, they yeah. want to do away with. Uh, uh, that's crazy. While yeah. we're on this. There's one more thing in Ohio that, and you know, we should do a show on this, just this alone, mm -hmm. but I can bring it up as just like to bring it up. But the snake mounds in Ohio, that is, I would say the serpent mounds. Okay. I Check know. them out. Check out the serpent mounds. Well, let me the see. serpent mounds, and I'll give everybody a little brief while you're, while you're uh, checking into it. The serpent mounds are about a half hour from Columbus. Oh, you been southern, southern? Have you been? Ahead. Have you been there before? I've been there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I know people that have taken drones there and have flown drones over the top. And I mean, you can see the serpent perfect. Well, you, you know, know what's trippy? You know, sometimes back in like like ten, twenty years ago, the U-Haul tracks. You when you rented a U-Haul, they, they would have like a, sometimes they came up with like paranormal things that would happen in each state. And actually, and, and if you rented a U-Haul in that time when they kind of they were promoting these things, adventure across America, uh, the one for the Ohio was actually the Serpent Mount. No way! I would. That's see, that's crazy because yeah. I actually believe I think it holds a lot, a lot of credibility in my mind because I, I think Pennsylvania and Ohio is known for where the fallen angels. Have fallen. All right, let me, and, let me. Yeah, and that's where they're supposedly buried. So let's under see. that serpent mound. So serpent mound is a watch. It's a, it's a prehistoric effigy mound located on Adams County, Ohio, United States. It is one of the most famous effigies mounds in the in North America. An effigy mound is a raised embankment in the shape of an animal symbol or other figures, and the serpent mound. It's shaped like a whining serpent with an undulating coiled body. So some of the key features of the serpent mound include one, the shape. The mound is approximately 
1,348 feet. Ben, it's very long, 411 meters. It's very long. It's half a mile. Uh, yeah, it's a quarter mile. Yeah. A little bit more yeah. of a quarter mile long and varies in height from just uh, a few feet to over three feet. So it's not very tall at all. Um, the effigy represents a snake with an undulating coiled body and a spiral-shaped tail. Origin and age. The exact age and purpose of this serpent mound has been subject of debate among archaeologists and researchers, but is generally believed to have been constructed by indigenous people of ancient Ohio, likely the Adena culture, sometimes between 800 BCE and 1000 CE. My goodness, this is ancient. Yeah, um, they say it was the Indian. They tried to cover it by saying it's like an Indian burial ground or yeah, an ancient... Uh, but but the real thing is it's the fallen one. This is right. It says the purpose of the serpent mound is still a matter of speculation. Some theories suggest it may have had a ceremonial religion or an astronomical significance. Others propose it could have served as an effigy of a supernatural being on a, or a representation of the constellation of Draco. Uh, it remains a subject of ongoing research. Uh, and serpent mound is a natural historic landmark. Blah, blah, blah. So are you allowed to... Natural? Pardon? Naturally, that snake—that snake just appeared like that naturally. No, no, no. Uh, it's a national historic landmark. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you said natural. Yeah, like, no. Uh, yeah, no. I there's. Care about that one. <laughs> yeah, dude. There's no uh, way. Have no you? Way. Are you allowed yeah, to? Uh, are you allowed to walk on top of this? Yeah, dude. You could walk it. Like I said, my buddy brought a drone and flew it over, and you could get an idea of what you're really looking at and what you're really sitting on when you're looking at the at the angle of it from above you really can see it all come together you know um yeah you can go visit it at any time that is really absolutely cool. that is really and cool. here's the thing here's the thing that i can say so the, they say that it's the fallen angels which also were giants Okay. Okay. Um, now, when I was a child, again, I would say about yeah, second grade, I went to the uh, historical museum, and the theme was giants. And I'll never forget that because it, as a child, to see a giant, it sticks to in your head forever. Sure. The smell, the mothballs, the giant bed. The giant, I mean, it was like uh, wax, you know, like it was like probably had their outfits and stuff, mm -hmm. but it was like a real setup. And then, and I always tried to do research on, and I always wondered about these giants before I ever knew about the fallen angels and all that stuff. I always wondered and nobody ever, you know, it was almost like we went there and then it was like a forgotten topic. Like nobody ever wanted to talk about it. Nobody, nothing. And the more interested I got into it, come to find out the largest, tallest woman in the world was uh, lived and the biggest baby was born in the town I lived in. So there was absolutely giants in that town. Well, and they say that the fallen angels, the giants, landed in Mansfield which is where the penitentiary is there and landed in that area in Pennsylvania and it just so happens now it's occupied by the Amish wow. all that area you know what recently as of like a month and a half ago to maybe like six months they've been like there's been a lot of conspiracy 
theories about there was this one guy I don't know his name he was a a, a YouTube a, a TikToker who uh, happened to spot a giant in a mountain um, and then he filmed it and then he did a retraction of the filming you can tell that he's very uncomfortable and then all of a sudden he disappeared from social media uh, there's an, also another case in Mexico where there's like a couple of people pointing their cameras at a mountain and they far off the distance they see a guy that must have been like 30 40 feet uh, and then the, the last one the last case uh, it's I forgot the name of the state but there's this um, there's this hillside it's about a hundred feet up in the air and there's a, what it looks like to be a door a doorway uh, on the side of the mountain that you can fully tell that articulate and it opens and they say that there's some giants that have been coming in and out um, of this particular structure and then you have the history have you ever heard of the Kandahar giants Nope, so for me. So, so the Kandahar giant was basically uh, it's it, it um, it's I think this is in the mountains of Afghanistan uh, during uh, I'm gonna I don't want to butcher so let me see Kandahar giant. I think um, I know what you're talking about now. Once you said Afghanistan, but keep going. So, so the Kandahar mm-hmm. giant refers to a, a, an incident that allegedly took place in Kandahar, which was a province of Afghanistan in 2002. So according to various accounts, a group of U.S. Special Forces encountered and engaged in a firefight with an extremely tall and heavily built humanoid creature that was described either as a giant or a large man. So these uh, stories have circulated since 2002 on the Internet. Uh, the accounts often have you know, details that the creature must have stood about 12 to 15 feet tall. And um, there's interviews with people that have actually that, that were that were part of this U.S. Special Task Forces. They said that uh, they were able to, you know, neutralize the target, if you will, and they they were able to pick it up and take it to to a, to an abandoned base. Uh, most of them were reporting, and the obviously the, the the hair was reported as being a red hair, um, having like red hair, sort of like a you know ginger. And uh, and the right. smell, the, also the smell that was emanating from him was was very uh, very strong. So there's a lot of reports of in the and if you're a Bible believer like me, um, there's a lot of re- right. There's a lot of reports, you know, of giants uh, living uh, after supposedly after um, the flood. The, flood. the, the flood, exactly yeah. um, the the Nephilim, right? The Nephilim. Yeah, yes, the sir. Nephilim. Uh, there, uh, it's a combination. It, the, the Nephilim is an offspring between a human female and an angel. Yeah, and, and then so, you. And then yeah, you, so. Go ahead. Yeah, when God when God casted down the, a third of the heavens, they were the fallen angels. When they came down, they started mating with humans, creating these Nephilim. Exactly, exactly. So, and it's funny because right now, as of like, like I said, as of six months, you're starting to hear a lot of reports of people like, you know, filming all these giants, and um, they're not, you know, they're like giant giants. Like if you go and, and search on YouTube or or TikTok, you'll see um, these videos, man, and they're 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 impactful because, uh, especially the one from Mexico, it doesn't. You could look at it, and it's it's not CGI. Um, there's no graininess. There's either, you know it's very even as far as the shadowing. 
Um, you can tell it's a faraway video because there's not a lot of detail, but the movements are very natural. You know, like CGI, you can tell because the movements are are, are, are are like kind of are natural movements. Right, right. So when it comes to this, so it, go ahead. No, no, I was, I was just agreeing. So like, it looks real. So it has a very authentic look to it. Oh, definitely, man. It looks very real. And there's like a lot of videos out there. So it's, it's very cool. I, I wouldn't put it past, you know, I really, you know, that to me is a topic that we could discuss and get into all day and like. You know, remember we talked about on Halloween, I don't know if you remember this conversation, but I talked about those giant skeletons. Yes. The giant skeletons. And those remind me of the fallen angels. Yeah. And I see they see, I see them all around here. And, there uh, was there was a lot of uh, a large skeletons that were found. You know, as America was being built back in like the 30s, 40s, and they used to do these mega projects, right? Uh, there, there's a lot of reports of people finding like huge femur bones that were probably like six feet tall, just the bone itself. So imagine the size of this this person or whatever it was that was able to have a bone that big. Yeah, that's. I believe it. I mean, that is one thing that I, you know, that's one thing that you know I really it's interesting to me, and I, I, I. I believe that's part of history that we weren't taught in school but i believe that is a, a huge part of our history and you know that we say this i think a lot of our government <laughs> a lot of uh these evil epstein characters if he even existed right are like are are maybe descendants or spawn from these fallen angels that's an interesting theory. I think that anything that points to the Bible as, as having any sort of validity it gets canceled by the powers that be, you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Any, no, absolutely. That's, and when they, and, you know, and we use, and on, on, our, on our other show, we use, um, on the Wacky Wisdom podcast, we use, like, we like to use fact check. So we'll go to Wikipedia and we'll see what they say is not true. And we usually go, well, if there's, they're bringing it up and saying this isn't true. We like to use, like, we like to go with the opposite, kind of. You know, it's like, yeah. they're kind of giving you the truth in plain sight. I mean, you can't, you got to, you know, you can't, can't, you know, use everything and make your own facts. But they tell you a lot of the truth right there, but say it's just not true. Yeah, yeah, I see you what know? you mean. Yeah, that's... You know, so it's, that's funny dude. it's so true and if you look at old pictures there was a guy named Chang the Chinese giant this is circa like 1870s and if you look at uh, there's like legit pictures um, which back then these people would, would be called Victorian it would be, they would be called freaks right these guys would make a living uh, on a circus as being a quote unquote right. a freak and uh, yeah I mean these people is like they're documented they're like Eight, you know, nine feet. Uh, I mean, they're just humongous. So, if you would think, if, if you know, going through scripture, 
from what the Bible says, if they can survive the flood, they have to have some sort of non-human blood to them. I want to say, you know, you hear about... Now, this is getting out there. I'm not saying I believe this. I'm not David Icke or anything. Yeah. But... It I like comes this. with the, you know, the reptilian thing, you know? It's like, how did these people were able to survive all these different, really crazy uh, weather situations without them being able to adapt? Yeah. I don't know. They need to. I, I don't, I, I don't, well, the word of God says that only like, uh, like eight people survived the flood. So I don't think people were actually survived other than you know like noah and his family that's what i believe uh but yeah there are people out there that that promote the idea that in order for you to be able to kind of survive a global flood you would have to be uh, a special kind of human quote quote yeah and i mean that's that's you know uh, if they say that they survived the flood the fall you know some of the fallen ones survive the flood yeah that's so. a that's a really interesting theory i'm putting some images now on the live broadcast of these um these giants i mean these guys are huge uh and these are legit photographs you know these are um these are legit photographs so you know there's why is there not? anything in your opinion like the serpent mound is there any other like grounds that would that have that sort of like you said there was animal shaped burial ground or whatever there, is there other ones like that in, the, in our country or in the world or is that look, one of a kind because look, that seems pretty yeah yeah no i'm sure there's other there's there's uh in england there's a couple of mounds um that have to do with uh, let's see here like a bur burial mound, right? Yeah, like a yeah. burial ground mound. Yeah. Yeah, in England they have the what what it's called the Anglis the Anglo-Saxon burial mounds. Um, they have they have they have yeah they have a few of these uh, over there too, and all over the world. I'm sure in Mexico we have uh, in Mexico uh, there's a lot of burial mounds as well. Um, so it's just yeah. yeah Mexico's got some rich culture. I mean, they've got pyramids. Oh, yeah, man. They've got a lot. They've got some really rich culture. I wouldn't be shocked at all they got, you know, some sort of giant and China. I've, I've seen the China. I know the one you're talking about, the, the one in China, and I believe I remember the Mexico one. I, I, I'm going to have to relook, but I believe I remember the Mexico one, but definitely the China one. What's interesting, uh, too, is that you know all these... Um, all these mesas uh, that you find, for, for example, you know what a mesa is? It sort of looks like a, well, let me find the definition. What if, um, one second. You know what a, a mesa is? Like if you go like New Mexico, uh, they have these structures that basically look like, uh, out of nowhere, you have like a plane and then you have like these huge hills. Okay. Okay. So actually no, what... I don't know. Okay. So let me just find a... Uh, uh, 
So basically, uh, a mesa is a term that can have multiple meanings, but uh, in context of New Mexico, uh, there are specific places in the state. There are geological landforms characterized by a flat, elevated uh, tablelands or a plateau with a steep cliff-like sides. Okay, so watch what I'm going to do because this is pretty mind-blowing too. Um, you know, some of the I'm going to put it on and then I'll talk to you when I when I put the images on. Speaking of, you know, speaking of giants, um, one second, bro. Because they, they kind of come out of the formation itself, just, you know, comes out of nowhere. And it'll be, it'll be in a few, in a few seconds, it'll be up on the, on the live feed. So I put one there. I don't know if you have, can you see it yet. I'm not. I'm not actually watching the live feed. Oh, okay, okay. At the moment. Well, anyways, uh, uh, it was too much of a lag last time, and it maybe kept getting disconnected. So I did. I just want to like mess with it. No, that's cool. So basically, there's theories behind that. They say that the mesas, what they actually are, is just like the bottom of chopped trees from back in the days. Oh, you literally, uh, dude, I swear to you, not to interrupt you and keep going, I was going to bring that up. I didn't say anything. I was going, you went to the next thing I was going to say. Go ahead, keep going. You literally went to the next. Go ahead. Yeah, so basically there's um, there's a devil, there's a Devil's Tower National Monument. Monument. If, if I don't know if you're by your phone, but if, if you do a Google for like what, what's called Devil's Tower National Monument, I mean, it looks obviously like a mountain, but I mean, it looks just like a petrified, like a huge petrified, um, you know, tree. tree exactly. Tree yeah, like a tree. Yeah. Exactly. It looks exactly I've like one. I've seen it before. Yes. That, I was going to bring that up. I swear to you, I was going <laughs> to bring that up. Um, that was what I was. That was next. That is crazy. I was gonna bring that up. That's funny. Yeah, I was dude. gonna ask you. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? What did, do you buy it? Like, no. For me, and then I, I want you to answer for me real fast. Sure. I'll, I'll be honest. Some I I was known as like I'm still I'm, I'm you know it's funny I was known as like this crazy conspiracy guy uh, uh, when I first moved to this town and I knew a lot of my like a lot of people that were younger or whatever because my brothers and sisters and they just thought I was this crazy conspiracy guy and now everything they I never heard that for years just because everything's all come true so there's no conspiracies no more really to but anyways somebody said to me one day you know I love having just like the conversation we're having right now and I was having it with somebody and he brought up the topic that right. we're talking now and I like when when flat earth was first brought to my attention i i just didn't i couldn't get you know i couldn't but when i looked into it more abs i mean i i could see it no i i can i can see it it was hard for me to buy the theory for a very long time mm -hmm. until i really understood the big scheme of things with the giants now i now i want your opinion sorry i just had to get because I'm not good at remembering things. No, 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 you're doing good. So I put a picture on it. You'll be able to see it next time that you uh, log on. But if you look at a picture of petrified wood uh, and you look at these formations, I mean, there, there's a lot of, it's you know, it's plausible. 
right? That's right. all. It's definitely possible. It's possible. I wouldn't. You can't rule it out. I mean, I wouldn't sit there and, you know, I, I was very, I was very skeptic at first, but I've become way more. I think over the years, especially over like the past ten years, I would say I've become way more. Uh, I, I don't rule many things out anymore because right? you just don't know. No, you, you know, don't. You I don't think know. Listening to Art Bell, Art Bell really. He really, you know, I think his, his, um, what is the word? His, his, he was very patient, patient in his acceptance to whatever 